0: Welcome into this episode of the Redbird Report. Tom Pricebin, Mike Morrow, with you here from the Vedette Studios. As we bring you the Redbird Report is every week presented by the the Vedette and Mike, a lot going on in the world of ISU sports. We'll recap on this show ISU softball and baseball. We'll also touch upon the coaching searches for both men's basketball and women's basketball. Now, obviously, men's basketball don't have a coaching search as of yet, but last night there were some rumors. We'll get to that in a little bit, but we start off with
1: ISU softball as the softball team took on the Fighting Illini of Illinois. Yes, they traveled to Champaign last night. They are 5-1 in the Missouri Valley Conference, but took a break from MVC play last night to have a little non-conference tilt with the fighting Illini.
0: Second meeting this year between the S- two clubs.
1: Second meeting this year. Illinois took both. So Illinois won last night 5-3. to three. Illinois got off to a 3 nothing start. Illinois State answered back and uh, brought the score three to 3-2. And then Illinois answered them right back with two solo home runs. And then that's pretty much all she wrote up until the seventh inning because Illinois State came back. Riley Hale had a 7th inning home run and they had a 2 runners in scoring position in the top of the 7th inning, but they squandered that threat and uh, ended up losing the game. That's not the first time, or that was not the first time in the game that they had squandered a great scoring opportunity as, uh, in fact, Riley Schreingart, one of the better hitters on this Illinois State team, came up with the bases loaded and 2 out and she had a 12 pitch at bat that ended in a strikeout squandering that bases-loaded threat. But, you know, so they take a loss, but uh, they have a big home opening series this year. They've This is now, they played 29 games on the road or at a neutral site, and so it'll be nice to have them here on the home field. They open up with Southern Illinois. It will be a battle for first place as Southern Illinois is five and one in the Valley, 17-15 overall, Illinois State 15-14 and 14 overall. So it's a battle for first place in the home opener for the Redbirds. And it's certainly unique to have your home opener take place It'll be April first when
0: they finally kick off the home schedule. They've been playing since early February, so that's nearly two months on the
1: road. As Melinda Fisher said uh, when I spoke to her last Sunday after they wrapped up uh, the the series at Wichita State, she just said, "Well, they took two out of three against the Shockers. They took three out of out of the Shockers." And uh, the thing is, is she, they're very excited to come home. She said that the one thing is when you when when you're when you're playing with college students and you spend eight weeks on the road, it, it takes a toll on you. And so they said they're very excited. She said she can't explain how excited they are to be on their home field and in front of the home crowd. And so, uh, you know, it, it would be, it's, it's going to be a fun series because, like I said, it is for, for the battle for first place in the Missouri Valley Conference. And it's, it's still ver- very early on. There's still lots of softball to be played in the NBC, But right now it's for sole possession. They, it, those are the two at the top. So the Redbirds had
0: their struggles this year against the Illini, and that kind of has carried over to other sports as well. The, the baseball team dropped a disappointing outing to the Illini. They'll take them at home coming up later on in April. They'll take on, I think it's April 11th, they'll host the Illini at Duffy Bass. And obviously the basketball teams They were hoping for that historic matchup here at Redbird Arena, and then the UCF quarterfinal game happened and that kind of derailed the Redbirds hopes of hosting the Illini here so it's kind of a disappointing year in terms of ISU taking on U of I and now we turn our attention to one of those teams the baseball team as they come in after a nice win their home opener against St. Louis.
1: St. Louis was a very good team coming in I I say was as if they left not a good team they are still a very good team they're 17 and 6 they were 17 and 5 coming into the matchup with Illinois State and Illinois State was struggling, and that's a good team that they beat. For it seemed like everything came together for them. Uh, you know their pitching, which has seemed to be a struggle for whatever reason, they they, they struggled to hold leads. Whether it's the bullpen, the starting pitching, but Durkac staff came out. They held the lead, or I should say, uh, yeah, they held the lead. The Billikens came up, tied it up one-one, and then uh, Illinois State uh, Nick Zoris with the game-winning RBI. And uh, you know what? They held on, and uh, it's a good win for Bo and his staff because it's it's a weird baseball schedule. You're not used to seeing baseball teams play one game on Tuesday, and then come back on Friday, unless it's like an All Star break or something weird weird in the schedule. Baseball is usually an everyday sport, but they play a bit of a basketball schedule. I compare it to that, even though it's not like a basketball schedule. But one win in the middle of the week, you know, can can you can ride that momentum into the weekend. And Illinois State's got a big task this weekend as they go to Dallas Baptist. And actually, we've just heard that they're due to inclement weather at Dallas Baptist. They're going to play a doubleheader tomorrow, which will be Friday. And they will play, they'll wrap up the series on Saturday afternoon. But again, they play Dallas Baptist. Uh, they're, they're the typical, they're the usual powerhouse in the Missouri Valley Conference. And you know, like I said, that's just going to be a tall task. They're picked to finish first in the Missouri Valley Conference again this season. And, you know, for a team that's that, that was struggling coming into the St. Louis game, and, you know, they get a good win there, if they could keep riding that momentum that they have from the St. Louis game, you know, they can make it a series. And the one thing
0: we've talked about, Mike, on the last edition of the Redbird report was obviously a whole lot of struggles for this very young Redbird team. They started with a rotation of three seniors, they've moved to a rotation of three freshmen, clearly looking towards the future, but. In terms of what they can do this season, plenty of time for a turnaround, and that was a good beginning to it, getting a win at home, their first home game of the year. They get a win over a good team. Now they think, it. you know, even if you just take one against a very good Dallas Baptist team, that's probably a success on the road for this young team, taking one, maybe two out of three from Dallas Baptist. Then you get a nice little homestand, and maybe you get some home cooking going gets momentum and then all of a sudden the Redbirds might then find themselves back around 500 overall and maybe above 500 in the conference.
1: Right, and that's something you've seen the Redbirds softball team do. They they did not have the greatest start to non-conference play. They come into conference go 5 and 1. They find themselves right above 500, 15 and 14. But look at that conference record, 5 and 1. They're four games over 500 in conference. If you play well in conference, that non-conference schedule is not throwing out the window cuz you will see that in your overall record, but You'll find yourself at the top of the Missouri Valley Conference, and I think if, if this team plays the way they did against St. Louis, they they'll have a chance to really you know raise some eyebrows and, and shock some people. But uh, you know they'll have to string a couple wins here together first, and we'll just have to see. It, it, it's gonna it all starts it's all starts tomorrow afternoon, and, and unfortunately for the Redbirds, they are at Dallas Baptist. But like you said, Tom, one win this weekend's probably a win. In the eyes of Illinois State,
0: and you'd go from one team that's hoping to put together a 500 record in the conference schedule to a team that was well above 500 in the conference schedule. The 17 one Illinois State men's basketball team, of course, a disappointing conclusion their season. But Mike, they made waves last night. We were together. Take us through what happened late last night here Central
1: Time. Is it was panic for about 12 hours in Redbird Nation. Yeah. So Jeff Goodman sent out a tweet. Saying that a source from ESPN told him that Dan Muller was a very serious candidate for the Dayton head coaching job. Obviously, Archie Miller took the job with Indiana, so there was that uh, that opening down in. Uh, I shouldn't say down, but there was that opening in Dayton, Ohio, and you know we were driving home last. Down
0: night. west, east—it's all <laughs> the same
1: direction. I guess so. You could say that, but so. Dan Muller emerged as a very serious candidate last night, and then this morning, Dayton went a different route, not going with Dan Muller. We don't know why. We don't know anything about the talks. We've not heard if Dan was offered the job. How s- we, you know, obviously that that source did say that he was a serious candidate. We don't know how serious he was. We, you know, we don't really know. We just know what they said, and he was a candidate for the job. They went a different way, and so for now, he's back in normal. We don't know if our coaching vacancies will. You know, perk his interest or not. But for right now, he's back in normal. But for for a while there, there were some people that were, uh, need to be talked off the ledge, so to speak, because there were a lot of people very, very, ne- waking up very, very nervous about whether Dayton was going to announce Dan Muller as their next head basketball coach.
0: And one thing that I thought was interesting, you mentioned it's an unnamed source. So it is possible maybe it was somebody in Muller's camp who is perhaps looking to get maybe a raise here from Illinois State's athletic department. Perhaps Dayton never even had any interest at all, but we don't know. It could be anywhere from something as simple as that where Mueller was just trying to maybe use his publicity to help get a raise, or it could be that Mueller was off of the job and decided to stay here, or it could be that simply Dayton decided to go another path and while Mueller was one of their final three candidates, they went with someone else. And obviously that ties to the next question of what's going on with Mikhail McIntosh... The redshirt junior has is about to graduate from ISU. He does have the ability then to become a graduate transfer and play anywhere he wants in the country without having to sit out a year. Obviously, that's making a lot of people. You talked about nervous palms in the ner- in the Redbird Nation, the sweaty palms. That was happening with Dan Muller. It's continuing with Mikhail McIntosh.
1: Yeah, and you have to wonder if this this little spark of interest from, from Dayton trying to get Dan Muller to go there, if, if that worries Mikhail at all to see where his loyalty lies and you know Dan Miller did say at the end of the season he sat down with the Vedat and he had said that him and uh, him and Mikhail were going to sit down and talk about their their options and his options if he was going to graduate and transfer he was going to dra- he is going to graduate so we know that for sure but as far as what uniform he's going to be well, put Assuming he in?
0: passes all of his classes. We're still in the spring semester yeah. here. You never know, as I know a lot of seniors know around campus, you're just hoping
1: to graduate this time of year. Right. So if Mikhail <laughs> graduates, uh, he'll be putting on some uniform next season. It's just a matter of, will it be a Redbird jersey? Will it be another university's colors? We're not sure. But you do have to wonder if if this little stint last night, having Mueller's name thrown out there as a very serious candidate for another job, maybe does Mikhail think you know what, he tried leaving me, I'm leaving him, you know what, and you don't know, because you never know what goes through the head uh, of a young adult like Mikhail, and so, you know, we just have to see, but if I had to think, if I had to guess, I think he's going to stay, I think he'll stay, but, you know, time will tell.
0: Either Mikhail will probably look at it one of two ways, either he'll look that Mueller chose to return as a good sign for this program's strength for next year, and we all know that Dan was out on the recruiting trail. He was trying to. He was in California recruiting a very hot target in Zach Copeland, who could be a really impactful player if the Redbirds were able to land him as a junior college transfer next year. And so you have to wonder how seeing things like that impact Mikhail McIntosh's decision. It'll be a, certainly an interesting one upcoming for him, and we'll have to pay attention to see what happens. That deadline to transfer is upcoming, so we'll see. And we'll have an answer in the next few weeks about what's going to happen with McIntosh, The Redbirds look to have a lot of talent coming back next season, but of course McIntosh will be their returning superstar, one of their leading scorers coming back, and he's going to supply a lot of the offense, if the Redbirds hope, to make another deep Missouri Valley Arch Madness tournament run. And now looking for a team that's looking to make a run at all in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament, the women's basketball team. They did get their first tournament win this year, for the first time since 2014, and our first round win over Indiana State was not enough to save Barb Smith's job. And, Mike, I know you wrote a piece the other day concerning Barb Smith's replacement. Now the, the search for the new head coach of the Illinois State women's basketball team and really the face of the program after a difficult four-year spell enters week number three. Larry Lyons does not acknowledge any comments. He's refused to comment to the vidette on two separate circumstances. So, really, we're left out in the dark, and you gave up some interesting candidates to look at.
1: Yeah, one of them is Kristen Gillespie from Lewis University. She just concluded her second year at the helm of the Lewis Flyers. Um, she has a record there of fifty-two and twelve. She was the Midwest Region Coach of the Year in twenty sixteen. She had stints at Benedictine as a head coach, where she brought them to their most their highest win total since two thousand six. That was in two thousand fifteen, the year before she took the job in at Lewis. And she's also had since at NC State as an assistant coach, so she she comes with some experience. Again, you don't know how that jump from D two to D one is is going to take a toll. You don't. It is a different game. You see it more often than not in the women's basketball game, but it's still it's it's a division jump, and so you have to wonder how that's going to affect be if she does get the job.
0: I know another Division II candidate I brought to your attention and ended up putting on your list was Robin Freilich from Division II Ashland. I covered her last season. The Eagles went on to win the Division Two National Championship. This year just finished a 37-0 and campaign and she's 68-2 and in her two years at the helm. So you have two Division Two coaches, both with only two seasons under their belt. Uh, I know in the case of Freilich, she worked nine years under legendary head coach and fellow national champion Sue Ramsey. So it would be interesting to see if either of those coaches would have interest in this job. Um, Obviously, the Lewis head coach having some familiarity with Illinois never hurts. Another person that has some familiarity with with Illinois, you have two candidates, one from Western Illinois and one from DePaul. It would be interesting to see if either of them would make the jump from their respective schools, but it would be certainly somebody the Redbirds would
1: be interested in either candidate. Those were two of probably... My favorite candidates, if I'm looking at, my, at the list I put together, J.D. Gravina, uh, he's from Western Illinois, and again, it's, it's been said inside the Redbird program that there's been rumors that for female sports, the uh, Larry Lines and his staff want to hire female coaches. So we don't know how many males that they have on their staff. So this could be the only male on that list, the candidates. But we won't know until Larry Lyons says anything or makes a hire. But either way, Gravina's coming off four years where he led Western Illinois to their best offensive season in program history. So Four that, consecutive times. Four consecutive. So that's four seasons in a row that he's had a better offense than Illinois State. Illinois State's offense, as we all know, Tom. You know, you, we've called some games. We've we've seen this team play. Offense was not their forte, and so and, and so and so you have to think that Gravina's got something in that playbook to help because when he took over Western Illinois and even those first couple years there, despite having a good offensive season, they were not very good overall. So he's got something in the in his playbook that might be able to work. And obviously, Barb Smith was a recruiting coordinator
0: before they got here. Perhaps the Redbirds look, instead of getting someone who specializes in recruiting, you find someone who specializes in X's and O's and can really help coach up those players, maybe even if they're not as highly recruited, saying, I can get the most out of a top 500 recruit rather than maybe getting not as much out of a top 200 recruit, let's just say. I know your other really candidate you're high on is also, much like Barb Smith, a recruiting coordinator, but has a very good resume.
1: Yes, Jill Pisani from DePaul. And To me, that's just intriguing because if Pizzotti wants to get a head coaching job, it, it's not going to be at DePaul because everybody knows Hall of Famer Doug Bruno is at the helm there, has been for years. They love him up there. I don't see her overtaking him, and that's nothing against her. It's just, when you got a guy like Doug Bruno at the helm, it, it's going to be hard to knock him, and usually you see guys like that retire before they get fired or anything. And, and, and DePaul's very, very successful. You've seen them win back-to-back tournament titles and back-to-back regular season titles with Jill Pizzati as their recruiting coordinator. So you know she knows how to recruit the nation because the Big East, they get their recruits in.
0: The question is, does she want to make the jump from a Big East school to the head coach here of a struggling Missouri Valley team? And Mike, really the question with this team is, as we wrap up this edition of the Redbird Report... Is this rock bottom? Is this as low as they go? You mentioned before, this is the worst four-year stretch in the history of women's basketball here at ISU. Is this the bottoming out, or is this beginning of a trend in this next higher? You mentioned, we, we've talked about it before, being Barbara Smith sort of being a four-year mistake. The Redbirds cannot afford to make another four-year mistake and let this trend of losing become an era of losing. This
1: is going to sound a bit hot-takey, but... The coach next year needs to win. They need to have a better season than they did this year. If they take a step backwards, I'm not saying you, you get rid of the guy or or girl, whoever you hire, but you can't take a step backwards because, like you said, Tom, a lot of people think this is rock bottom. I think that they can go further. I think that they could have another season and bury themselves further, and that you can't have that. This is a program that's had great history, great success. This is a program that's, that was used to going to the NCAA tournament, Missouri Valley Conference titles, and if they take another step back next year, it's going to be detrimental. And in it's, it's, Barb Smith's era was already detrimental enough.
0: And that's what makes this an upcoming Larry Lyons and Athletic Department Administration's decision so important about the fate of the next women's basketball coach here at Illinois State. Mike, as we wrap up, who do you think will get this job, if you had to guess? If I had to guess... Uh, and this is based on, as we mentioned, airlines not willing to talk to the vedette, So this is right. just not based on sourcing. This is more based on what you think so far from the outside.
1: If it were me making the decision, I I really like what J.D. Gravina brings to the table. But I, I don't know. I, I think I'm going with, with J.D. or Kristen Gillespie from from Lewis. And that's just... Those are your first two calls. Those are my first two calls just because I I don't think Jill Pizzati is going to leave DePaul as much as she probably does want to become a head coach. She's the associate head coach at DePaul, but I just don't see her leaving DePaul to come to such a drastic rebuild. I mean, you are when we're talking building from the ground up. The coach was coming is building from the ground up, and I I just don't think that that's in her cards because she could make the NCAA tournament next year with DePaul. And who knows when this team will make the NCAA tournament again. So, so those are my two picks right now. I think J.D. Gravina or Kristen Gillespie will be the next head coach at Illinois State. Mike Mara, the Women's Basketball Beat Reporter, you listen to next time here
0: on the Redbird Report. Next time on, we hope to have a special guest, perhaps in studio here, as we talk about some ISU baseball and softball. And, of course, we'll be reaching the end of the timeline for both Mikhail McIntosh's decision and Larry Lyons, the administration's decision on the women's basketball coach. So lots to talk about next time, but that will do it for this edition of the Redbird Report. For Mike Marr, I'm Tom Prizman saying, have a good night from our Vedette studio.